0: Hey, let's go ahead and pray together. Father, thank you so much for the word. Um, Thank you for Buck for uh, reading that, Lord, and just giving him the the desire to do that. Uh, Father, just a testimony of your grace in the life of this church. Lord, I just pray that you would use this word um, in a transformative way. God, we need this word. I believe this church needs this word. And so, Father, would you use it uh, for your glory? Um, in Jesus' name, Amen. Back in 2017, uh, before Sale and I were actually married, we were just engaged. I talked a lot about a waffle maker. Um, I talked a lot about my love for waffles, and and I had mentioned it so much that she uh, got me a waffle maker for Christmas, which was incredible because uh, that's what I wanted. The only problem was I never opened it. I never took it out of the box. And it was like a fancy waffle maker, one of those ones that you see at a hotel that you can flip and it's super fancy. All you got to do is drip the, uh, you know, all the, the the cake in there or whatever, and then you just wait a couple of minutes and it, it's good to go. Well, that's what I got for Christmas, and I never took it out of the box, and um, that was almost four years ago. Well, a couple of years ago, she got me another waffle maker, and a little close to home, it's a Texas waffle maker, and so it's pretty fancy, and you can make Texas waffles. And as you can see, I never took it out of the box. So that's two waffle makers over the course of four years that I never opened, that I never took out of the box. And, and some of you, maybe you, you've seen the, sh- the, the sitcom Friends. It was on in the 90s. Uh, it ended in 2004. There's a character in the, in, the, in the sitcom Friends named Rachel Green. She was played by Jennifer Aniston. And there was a, literally one episode that was centered around uh, all of the friends finding out that every gift that they had given Jennifer Aniston's character, she had exchanged it. So whether it was a birthday party or a Christmas present, uh, this whole episode was centered around the other friends finding out that every gift that they had given her, she exchanged. And they didn't like that. They were upset about that. And, and you know, maybe some of you are, are like me in this scenario. You've been given a gift but you've never took, taken it out of the box. You've been given a gift, but you've never used it. Or you're on the other end, you've given a gift, and you're upset because nobody ever used it. Or you're like uh, the character in the, the sitcom where you exchange the gifts that you give from people. And uh, One thing I wanna say is that we, there's this expectation that, that we have when we give someone a gift. Our expectation is that when we give you a gift, we expect you to use that gift as it's, it's intended to be used, right? I mean, you might agree with me on that. And, and the same is the case with us. God gives us gifts that are intended to be used, and those are called spiritual gifts, and that's where we're heading today is, is there. And we all have a gift. If you're taking notes, we all have a gift, but are we using it? We all have a gift, but are we using it? And uh, nobody can refute the fact that God has given us gifts. In fact, the Bible clearly states that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of the believer gives each and every one of us at least one spiritual gift. And a spiritual gift is a God given gift from the Holy Spirit to be used for God as an act of worship for God in the local church. That's what a spiritual gift is it's a God given gift from the Holy Spirit to be used for God. And in the local church. And now when you think of spiritual gifts, don't think of material possessions. Don't think of your money. Don't think of your resources. uh, Don't don't think of things that you have in your possession. But rather think of like a a, a skill. Or a certain wiring. um, Or a passion that you have. Or a ministry that God has gifted you with. Or equipped you with. To be utilized in the body of Christ. So what? What are your passions? What do, you, what do you feel like you're gifted at? What are you good at? What, what, what comes natural to you? Think more along, along the lines of that, that God has equipped you with as an act of worship to him to be used in the body of Christ. And so we all have a spiritual gift. We do. In fact, uh, if I were to ask you this question, it would be a rhetorical question because I think we would all agree. How many Christians, what is the percentage of Christians that have a spiritual gift? It's 100% across the board, across the world. Every person who is in Christ has at least one spiritual gift. The question is, are we using it? Are we using it? Many of you know who Michael Jordan is. Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player to ever play the game of basketball. You can uh, disagree with me all you want. That fact remains. That's as, that's as true as scripture. Michael Jordan's the greatest. Did you know that Michael Jordan got cut from his basketball team in the ninth grade he did and my uncle and I were talking about this several years ago and we were talking about how Michael Jordan got cut from his basketball team in the ninth grade my uncle was saying you know Nate I got cut from my basketball team in high school and the next summer the following summer I grew like seven or eight inches something ridiculous and the basketball coach came up to him that new school year and said hey I want you to play for me he didn't even have to try out But my uncle declined, he said, no, you know, you cut me last year, you only want me now because I'm tall, and he didn't end up playing. Could you imagine if Michael Jordan had come back the next year, knowing who he would become, the greatest basketball player to ever play the game, he changed uh, basketball forever, and he changed the sports world forever. Can you imagine though, coming back the next year, knowing uh, who he was gonna become, and yet saying, you know what, You, you guys cut me last year, so I'm not interested. It, to have such a gift, but to not use that gift, to, to not utilize that gift, it just wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right. And I, I think that you would agree. What a tragedy it is to have been given a gift by the living God, but to not use it in the body of Christ. What a tragedy that is. God has given each one of us at least one. Some of you have multiple spiritual gifts, but at least one, every believer has at least one spiritual gift to use as an act of worship to God and to build up the body of Christ, to build up the body of Christ. There was a survey done by life.com a couple of years ago, uh, going around different local churches and doing the survey, asking how many uh, members of each church were actually utilizing their spiritual gifts. And the number that they came up with was 45%. 45% of churches, active church members, were utilizing their spiritual gift in the local body in which they were members of. So it made me think, what percentage do you think of our church at Hillcrest is utilizing their spiritual gifts in the body of Christ? You can just be thinking about that. I don't have a number to give you. But what percentage of This church do you think is actually utilizing their spiritual gifts in the body of Christ as the the word of God leads us to do? Something to think about. And so my question that I wanna present to you is this. What are you offering God? Think about that as an individual. I'm not talking about the church. I'm not talking about your family. I'm talking about you. What are you offering God? God. And I want that question to kind of be at the forefront of your mind as we move on in this text. And so Paul says in verse 1 I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship, your spiritual worship. And so, I, and I'm guilty of this, I'll, I'll say it first, but I think a lot of people in the church today uh, automatically um, associate this idea of worship with the songs. And so uh, I've been asked, and I've asked this question myself throughout my Christian life, you know, um, what's the worship like, right? And when I invite people to church, often I get that question, what's the worship like? And they're, they're referring to the songs. Really the only one in the universe who can answer that question when, when, we, when we talk about worship as the Bible leads, right? What is the church? The church is the people who worship Jesus as God. God can only answer that question, What does God think of our worship? Do you think that our worship is acceptable to him? Do you think that that your worship is acceptable to God? I think it's a question we should all be asking ourselves. As children of God, when we step into this building, where's our mind? Where's our heart? Is my worship acceptable to the living God of the universe, the one who deserves all praise and all worship? So worship is not the songs, right? And that brings me to my first point. Worship is living your life as an offering to God. So if you're taking notes, worship is living your life as an offering to God. So Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Now, I've said this before, and many of you, you know, Bible geeks, you know this. Anytime you see the word therefore, you ask the question, what's it there for? And you always want to look at the things that are leading up to the word therefore. And so in this case, we want to look at all of Romans chapters 1 through 11, Paul explains really eloquently uh, the nature and condition of mankind apart from God. Every single one of us guilty uh, of worshiping created things and not the creator. We're all living in rebellion against God by our nature, children of wrath, headed to an eternity far from God and apart from God. That's the nature of mankind and we're all guilty of that. Whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, all have sinned and nobody is safe. And the law can't save us, right? The law cannot save us. Nobody is righteous, not even one. That's what Paul says. But luckily, Paul is not finished there. He goes on to to eloquently explain the beauty and the wonder and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. Who doesn't like that verse? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since we are now justified by faith, we have peace with God by the blood of Jesus Christ. The life that we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God. So Paul preaches the state of mankind. It's not a good condition for you or me. But then he goes on to preach about the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been saved We've been reconciled to the Father. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. That's what Paul says. He ain't talking about music here. He's talking about your life. When you give your life to Jesus, you're not just giving your heart to Jesus. You're giving your body to Jesus. You're not just giving your heart to Jesus. You don't pray a sinner's prayer and I gave my heart to Jesus, now I belong to Jesus. You give your body to Jesus as well. Your body belongs to Jesus. Your life belongs to Jesus. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of the living God. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says in Galatians 2 verse 20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God has made a sacrifice through his Son, Jesus Christ. He's already made a sacrifice. He has sacrificed his own Son on the cross, body broken, blood shed. And so my question for you and for me, what are you offering God? What are you offering God? To offer your body is to offer your life, and to offer your life is to offer your body. That's what it means to worship Jesus. And, and if you track uh, the, the, the story that's being told in the gospels, every time you see Jesus invite or call someone to follow him, it comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. So what are you offering God? He goes on, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So this is where we begin to take inventory of our lives. As, as followers of Jesus Christ, we ask ourselves, have I given my body as an offering to God? Not just your heart. Have I given my body as an offering to God? Or have I given it to the world, to worldly things, for my own good pleasure, for my own good enjoyment? Have I given my body as an offering to God in a way that pleases Him, in a way that honors Him, in a way that is set apart and different? than the the way that people are giving their bodies, the the things that people are giving their bodies to in the world. Is there some way, in some some way, am I giving my body in a way that is different, in a way that is holy and pleasing and acceptable to the living God? He says in verse 2, because we don't just have our, we're not just giving God our bodies, but we're giving God our minds. Do not be conformed to this world, Paul says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. I have no doubt in my mind that every single one of us uh, genuinely wants to know God's will uh, for our lives. We want to know God's will for our families, for our kids. If you have kids, of course, you want to know. And you want to see them uh, obedient, follow Jesus, uh, so that they can be in the will of God. We all want to know God's will for our lives, for our families, in our marriages, for our kids, and in the life of this church. To find the answer to that and, and it's not a mystery by the way god's will is not a mystery but there are things that are required of us testing and discernment paul says is this of god or is this of the devil Those are questions to ask we want our mind renewed so if it is what i'm watching is it of god or is it of the devil right is this true or is this false? Is this real? Is this is this bi- is this aligned with Scripture? Is this aligned with, with the Word of God? Is this is this for my good or, or, or is this for for the good of uh, the church? I, am I doing this to please myself? Or am I doing this to please God? Is this God honoring or uh, self honoring? Honoring of self. Is this exalting God or is this uh, exalting of self? Am I doing this to please other people or am I doing this to please God? Am I trying to please myself or am I trying to please God? We need to test and discern. We, we need to test and discern. And another way to do that is uh, what are you feeding your mind? The church is a people, we've learned this. The church is a people who have their mind set on the things of God. Who have their mind set on the things of God. So what do you allow in your mind? What influences you? What influences your mind? Is it social media? Is it politics? Is it, is it religion? Is it other people? Or is it God's word? Is it biblically sound, Jesus-loving Christians? What are you allowing to influence your mind? Are you living in the world with the wrong motives, right? We, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. But we can easily, all of us, live in the world and of the world. We can. Um, and so God's will is not hidden from you. It's not hidden from me. Uh, but some things will be required of us as we offer our bodies and our minds to God, testing and discern, we will find and know uh, the will of God for our lives, for our families, in our marriages, for our kids, and in the life of this church. God's will is not hidden from anybody in this room. It's not. There's not a treasure chest that we just got to gotta find and open it up, and there it is. All you got to do is open the Bible. It's in Scripture. And all you got to do, really, I would say, is spend time with Christians. Uh, we come in this room and we gather in corporate worship. It's biblical. We've learned that and we want to do this and we want to take it serious. But at the same time, we don't get a, a lot uh, to talk uh, about to each other. We don't have a lot of time to talk to each other. And, and so, uh, this is why we want to spend time with each other outside of this room. We want to encourage each other and we want to build each other up and we want to renew each other's minds by speaking life into each other. And so. You and I can know the will of God by offering our bodies, by offering our minds as a living sacrifice. And honestly, it's just how we respond to Romans 12, 1 and 2. To be transformed is to be different. That's what it means to be set apart. You're different, and the only way you're different is because you're transformed. So, to live a, uh, if you're taking notes, to live a Romans 12, 1 and 2 life is to be all in, fully devoted to God. Fully devoted to God. You can't have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. When Jesus invites you into his kingdom, he doesn't want you to have one foot in the world. In fact, it says in Revelation, some pretty disturbing words, I will say, that those kind of people, they're called lukewarm Christians. Jesus just says, you know what I'm going to do with those people? I'm just going to spit them out of my mouth. I'll just spit them out of my mouth. Nobody in this room, if you're in Christ, is called to have one foot in God's kingdom and one foot in this world. Jesus isn't calling people to be lukewarm. He's calling people to be all in, fully devoted to him. That's what it means to worship. He wants fully devoted followers who are willing to present their bodies as a living sacrifice to him. And if we do that, this is where this is headed. All of this is where this is headed. is we will, we will offer and give our spiritual gifts to the local body of Christ. And that brings me to my second point. Spiritual gifts are hidden by pride and used with faith. Spiritual gifts are hidden by pride and used with faith. You know, in the church today, this is pun intended, we have a room full of gifted people. You can go watch the movie X Men, and they call the people with these superpowers gifted. But in in reality, in the real world, we're all gifted, pun intended. We all have a spiritual gift. We all have a spiritual gift. But every single one of us falls into, uh, I believe, temptations that the devil sets in front of us. You know what? I don't like my spiritual gift. I just don't like, I, I don't think it's useful. I don't think it can be used for God's glory in the kingdom. So I'm just gonna step back. And I'm just not gonna utilize my gift because I don't think it's worth anything. You know, it's not like teaching. It's not like preaching. You know, it's not, it's not uh, prophecy, right? It's not the gift of healing. It's just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean much. So instead of utilizing my gift that the living God has given me, I'm just gonna step back. I'm just not gonna utilize it. See, that's a temptation that we all face. And Satan throws that in your path. Your gift isn't—it's not good. It's not good enough. What? what are you kidding me? Your gift—the the gift that God has given you—you you see that the gift He's given the person next to you. People really—they—they—they're drawn to that gift. But your gift, nobody cares about your gift, and you just take a step back. You just take it, or, or we fall under the temptation that you look around the room. I want their gift. I just wish I had their gift. So there's a lack of contentment with your gift or gifts because you want the person across the room's gift. You know what? If I could, if I could teach, uh, if, if they gave me an opportunity to preach, I could do it better than Nate. I'd sure preach shorter than Nate. We'd get home a lot sooner. I could probably expound that text better than Nate can. You know, I've studied that text before. I think I know it a little bit better. I know the Greek better. If they would just give me an opportunity, I could do it. I think I could do it better. We start playing this comparison game. I think I could uh, lead worship better than Caitlin or Shelby. They would just give me an opportunity. That is a dangerous place to be. That is coming from a place of pride. And then we can use our gifts um, as a place of entitlement too. One thing that's so fascinating to me is my dog will, a sock will just, Make my dog content. If I give my dog a sock, she's fine literally all day with a sock. Now, if you give my other dog a sock, well, she's no longer content. She has to have her sock. And the same, vice versa. If you put both dogs in separate rooms and give them a sock, they're fully and completely content with a sock. But if you put them in the same room and they both have their own sock, they have to have each other's sock. Their socks are no longer content. They're no longer content with their sock. They have to have the other person's or the other dog's sock. It's the same in the church with spiritual gifts. If you're not content with your gift, and you're looking around the room, man, if I just had that gift, God, why didn't you just give me that gift? I could really utilize that gift. Well, God has given you a gift. Are you utilizing it? Are you utilizing it? Paul says in verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I've heard people in this church, I've said it myself and in the church I came from. I hear people all the time. I think we should do this. You know what? I want to do this. I think we should do that. I want to do that. I want to see this done. I want to see that done. And it's like, do you have that gifting? Can you walk in? Can you step into that space and do it? And one of the problems I think we have in the church, I'm just talking big C church, is that people try to operate outside of their gifting. God has given every single one of us a spiritual gift to use as a form of our worship to him and to to use within the building up of the body of Christ. You start to operate outside of that gifting, then then division starts to occur, problems start to occur, disunity starts to occur. This was the problem in Corinth when when we... when we use our gifts as a place of entitlement, when we, when we try to operate out of our gifts and do more than what God has actually called us and equipped us to do, it comes from a place of pride. It's prideful. Pride is one of the most destructive sins in the church. I can say that with confidence because the Bible also says that God opposes the proud. The God of heaven and earth, creator and sustainer of all things, a gift. Every breath you take is a gift from God and he opposes those who are proud. It's very destructful. And so if we, if we talk about spiritual gifting and serving in the church, pride is approaching ministry in the church from a place of entitlement. I have a gift. I'm gonna, use, I'm gonna use, utilize that gift. But the truth is, God does not give us a green light to lord over our gifts. He doesn't. And so I want you to think about this question if you're taking notes. What has God given me and how has God gifted me? Maybe right now you're thinking, how has God gifted me? So think, what has God given me? (laughs) Namely, Jesus Christ, uh, namely his Holy Spirit, and then how has God gifted me? (laughs) Because your spiritual act of worship in this church is to use your gifts that God has given you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, and he's saying this in the context of spiritual gifts. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. We've all been given a gift to use to help one another out, to build up this church, to worship God. We all do it together as we serve each other and serve Christ. We all have a, and the church, our church, the life of our church will be much healthier if each and every one of us is operating within their gifting, not outside of it. Warren Wearsby, the late Warren Wearsby, he's passed away, but he was a pastor for many years and he's written some commentaries. He says this, spiritual gifts are tools to build with, not toys to play with or weapons to fight with. Spiritual gifts are tools to build with, not toys to play with or weapons to fight with. God has not given anybody a green light to lord over with their spiritual gifts. We don't serve the body of Christ from a place of entitlement. The only reason that you have a gift, Christian, is to use as an act of worship to God and to build up the body of Christ. That's it, that's it. Nobody's more special than the next person. We've all been given at least one spiritual gift as an act of worship to God and for the building up of the body of Christ. And so Paul says we live in the grace that God has given us. As we walk in faith, knowing that God has given us and gifted us at least one spiritual gift to use for the building up of the body of Christ. Well, I don't know, Nay. I just don't know if this gift matters so much. Then use it in faith. Just have faith. If God's gifted you with it, then it's for a reason and for a purpose. So walk in faith. That's what Paul's saying. And so am I using my gifting in the local church as an act of worship to God? That's a question we all have to ask. Am I using my gifting in the local church as an act of worship to God? So Paul says this in verse 4. For as in one body, we have many members. We're all members of this body. And Christ is the head. And the members do not all have the same function, right? My finger doesn't do what my toes do. My, My nose does not do what my eyes do. So many members, all with different functions, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We all have a function. We all have a role. We all have a gifting. We all have a talent. We all have a wiring for the ministry of Hillcrest Christian Church, for the body of Christ in which you have become a member in. That's my third gift uh, point. Our gift is the church's gain. Our gift is the church's gain. When you look around the room, we're all different. We know that. Every single one of us is different. I'm not just talking about male and female. We all have different wirings. We all have uh, just different gifts, different talents. Some of you wake up really early in the morning. Some, some of you go to bed really late at night. We're just all different. The list is very long uh, of the things that I could uh, name that make us all different. Yet we're all called to be in this body of Christ for the building up of this church, to use our giftings. What, what's your function, what's your talent, what's your skill, what's your gift, what's your wiring, what ministry uh, has God placed in your life to use for Hillcrest? Some of you think, you know, Nate, I do have a gifting and I have a desire and I have a passion and I have a ministry, but I don't think it's going to fit in this church. I just don't think this church has a place for it. And I want to tell you that you're wrong. That ministry doesn't exist and has not existed because you haven't started it. Why the pressure on the preacher to start every ministry and to lead every ministry? Some of y'all are gifted leaders. You have the gift of leadership. So lead. Implement a ministry. Start a ministry. Be a leader. Use your spiritual gift for the building up of the body of Christ. I've heard so often, why don't we have this ministry? Why don't we have that ministry? Well, nobody will start them. And can I just say, um, because this is a family affair, I think, and we're, uh, you know, some of you can start ministries. And those ministries don't exist because you haven't started them. I just think that's true. And your gift, I think this is what the word of God shows us. Your gift, talking to the individual, your gift is the church's gain. So Paul says, and so what are you offering God? Verse six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Paul says it clearly. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. For taking notes, your gifts should be used, not withheld. Your gifts should be used, not withheld. Uh, so we need to identify what our gifts are. We need to know what our gifts are. And there may be some of you in the room, and this is okay or you, you, you don't know how God has gifted you just yet. You don't know. Um, when I was a new Christian, and I felt a call to ministry, which, by the way, we're going to talk about ministry next week. We're going to talk about ministry next week. But I felt a call to, to vocational ministry, to, to, to be a preacher and, and to do those things, and you know even potentially missionary. But I was just trying to discern, okay, but where in ministry? What, what do I do? I, I feel called to ministry, but what area of ministry? And so... I dipped my toes into children's ministry, into junior high ministry, into high school ministry, into Celebrate Recovery ministry. I tried every ministry. In fact, I got a call from a pastor. He was over all the children's ministries um, at the church that I came from. And he said, hey, there's a camp uh, in a couple of weeks, a fourth and fifth grade camp, and I think you'd be great for it. And I'm like, this is a sign, God. Maybe I would be great for it. Maybe I'm going to be a children's person. And so I went on the trip, and I was a volunteer, and it's so crazy because I learned on that trip that God was not calling me into children's ministry. When I got woke up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., a kid had a sun kissed. He's shaking a sun kiss, and he had a bloody nose, and he's asking for direction. I knew God was not calling me into children's ministry. But it's so crazy because I was a small group leader of about five or six or seven fourth and fifth graders, or I think it was fifth graders, and we were teaching them about the life of Moses and what God did through Uh, the life of Moses and you know delivering them from slavery and all those things and I was learning these stories myself and I'm like God how am I going to teach them I'm learning them with them but as I learned and what little understanding I had of the book of Exodus I was able to teach these kids in a way that when we came back they were asking where Nate was they wanted to hang out with Nate and so Testing and discerning, and what are my giftings? Where is God calling me? It's gonna—you're gonna have to step out in faith and and test and see and discern. You know, maybe children's ministry isn't for you, but maybe high school ministry is. But you won't know unless you step into that space and give it a try. And some of you might be Bible teachers. You just don't know because you you haven't done it yet or you haven't tried. And so you have to test and see. And that's what I did. And so start to ask these questions uh as we wrap up here you know what are what am i passionate about what am i good at what comes natural to me um those are questions that you can ask yourself as you're trying to discern uh how god's wired you and gifted you for the body of christ and so these aren't the only gifts by the way that paul mentions in romans 12 he's got uh there's a list in 1 peter 4 i put those references in your notes ephesians 4 and then 1 corinthians 12 um so you can reference those later if you want, but if, if you'll put that passage back up, go back. Um, so Paul says, prophecy uh, in proportion with our faith, service and our serving, one who teaches and is teaching, exhorts and exhortation, another word for encouragement, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal and the one who d- does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So you can go to that next slide. And so these, are only, uh, these aren't all of the spiritual gifts mentioned in the, uh, in the Bible or the New Testament, but I do want you to keep in mind there was no need whatsoever for someone being good at IT back then. There was no need whatsoever for someone to be good and wired with electronics. And we know in the church of Jesus Christ today, electronics has its place, right? Online has its place. The internet has its place. Being good with computers has its place. There are people who are gifted who who can help and do that. And so, Prophecy, this is forth telling and foretelling. I mean, if you go on the internet, you can see who's got the gift of prophecy. They are not holding back anything to speak the truth of the gospel. They don't care what people think. They're not worried about how people uh, portray them. They're going to speak the truth and they're going to do it uh, to the glory of God. And it's going to be offensive to people. Uh, service, this, another word for this is Help. There is a couple in our church, they became members just a few, two, three months ago, Ginny uh, and Charlie Tomlinson, and they're serving right now up in the sound booth. And anytime you see Charlie, you're gonna see Ginny, and anytime you're gonna see Ginny, you're gonna see Charlie, because they just show up and they just help. And to have to get the gift of service is, you know what, what do you need? And I'll fill that gap. What do you need? And I'll fill that need. And you're not gonna do it grumbling, you're not gonna do it moaning and groaning, you're just gonna be there, you're, gonna be, you're ready to serve, you're ready to help. How can I be utilized to help and serve? What ministry? And you do it joyfully. You don't do it complaining. You do it joyfully. And, you know, maybe that's you. And and you have the gift of service. How can I help? How can I be of service? I don't care what ministry it is. I just want to step in and fill a need. I want to fill a gap. And you do it joyfully. It's not tough for you. So maybe that's, you have the gift of service. And then there's teaching. We have several people in our church who have the gift of teaching. They can teach God's word. They can teach God's word. Teaching and preaching. And, and, uh, you know, I think, When you become a Christian, you're not just going to have, oh, the whole church knows that you have the gift of teaching. Hey, I know you became a Christian last week. I know you were baptized last week. Do you want to preach this week? I see that you have the gift of teaching. It's just going to come out naturally, and it's going to come out over time. In other words, you could be moving boxes and helping someone move, or you could be greeting out front, and you just can't help yourself. You're teaching someone about the Bible. Whatever you're learning, whatever you're studying, you just can't help yourself. You're teaching someone about the Bible. It comes out naturally. We're not just going to throw somebody in the pulpit after they become a Christian. It's not quite how that works. Uh, Exhortation or encouragement. But there are some people in here that that I know, because I've been a recipient of it, who are encouragers. They're just ongoing, nonstop encouragers. I think the the person who has this gift the most that I know is my mother-in-law. You could condemn her, and she'll encourage you. You could be hateful to her, and she will encourage you. She will find a way to love you. And she's the most encouraging person that I literally know in my life. And when you go through a season where you need encouraging, uh, when you need to be encouraged, you need to know a person who has the gift of encouragement. And If you have that gift, there is a place for you in this church. There is certainly a place for you in this church. Generosity and contribution, um, this is more than money or, or you know, resources, but time, uh, just, just, uh, j- it just flows through you. you. You set an example for other people in the way you give, in the way you're generous. Leadership. Uh, first, let me say that you can, uh, people are often placed in positions of leadership and they don't have the gift of leadership. And this comes naturally. And just to lead is not just to be organized, um, but you help people embrace the life in which Jesus is calling them to live. You help use God's word, God's word to instruct them and to lead them in their own life. To have the gift of leadership, and, and that's, it's, it's, it's a spiritual gift. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Uh, a gifted, Holy Spirit gifted leader serves from a place of humility, a servant leader. Mercy, you have compassion like Jesus. Nobody has ever walked the face of the earth who, who had compassion like Jesus, and he gives that as a spiritual gift. And then, uh, Mercy, compassion. Then evangelism. Some of you are like, I don't ever want to tell anybody about Jesus, but some of you are like, let me go round up all the people I can in the town. And I'm going to tell them about Jesus. It just comes naturally to you. And then shepherding again. This is a gift. I asked a buddy several years ago who's a pastor, I said, man, you're just so good at shepherding. Like, how did you learn? How did you become such a good shepherd? And I said, you can't learn it. It is not a learned skill, it's a gift. And it is. Shepherding is a gift. You cannot learn it. You can grow in it, and you can mature in it. Um, but you can't learn it. It is a gift. And so, and then administration, also the gift of administration. And This is just helping see people uh, align God's word with people's lives. It's more than organization, but you're, you're able to uh, administer God's word in a way that helps people walk with Christ. And then there's discernment, and then there's wisdom, and then there's faith, and there's more gifts. And so I put this card, uh, worship team can come up. I put this card on, on, on a seat somewhere around you. And if you don't see one or have one, you know, you, we have more that we can give you. Um, but on this card are just ways that you can serve. And if there's something missing on this card in which say, you know what, Nate, I have a gift and I have a, an idea for a ministry, put it on this card. Put your name on it, drop it in that box on the way out or put it in the offering bowl. I would love to see 100% of all uh, the members of Hillcrest Christian Church serving in this church. What's your gift? Are, what are you offering to God? What are you offering to God. There's a story in the Gospels uh, where Jesus, the man with the talents, and there's a guy who buries uh, the talent in the dirt, and he doesn't use it, doesn't grow it, doesn't nurture it. He just buries it. And Jesus shares some really terrible words about that man. There's no place in the eternal kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom of heaven for that person. That's what Jesus says. That's not what I say. That's what Jesus says. And you might think, I, you know, my gift, it just doesn't matter. It's just a small gift. It's not a big deal. It's not really going to make much of a difference. But think of the little boy who offered up his few fish, few loaves, and Jesus multiplied it and fed like 20,000 people. God can take what you think is so small and create such a big impact for his glory and the body of Christ. You have and I have something to offer to God. The only question is, are we offering it? to him and are we using it to build up this church Hillcrest Christian Church McKinney Texas what are we offering God it's a question that maybe you have to go home and think about talk to your spouse discern what are my gifts how can I be used and utilized for the body of Christ at Hillcrest as an act of worship to God let's pray together Father, I thank you for today. Um, A convicting word, it really is. It it puts things into perspective. We're not here for us. The church does not exist for, for us. We're here to worship Jesus. We're here to offer our lives and our bodies and our minds to him as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing and acceptable. And God, only you know if our worship is acceptable to you. And God, I hope it is. I pray it is. I pray that we would become a people in a room of followers of Jesus Christ, people who want to worship you, who want to utilize our gifts for your glory and for the building up of each other as we serve this church, this city, and as we serve you. God, help us to do that through the power and leading of your Holy Spirit. Help us to become more like Jesus. I ask and pray in his name, amen. Let's stand and worship together.